Uh, turn to First Corinthians chapter three, please. This is what we were in last time I was up here, and uh, we did chapter one, or I'm sorry, verse one, and then we went into Ephesians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Uh, the people in Corinth in this church were not growing spiritually. Their growth was being stunted by their carnality. And we talked about last time I was up here, the culture around them that was so depraved and uh, was so celebrated and considered normal, and these people were bringing this culture into the church, and that, along with their carnality, was stunting their spiritual growth. Second Peter says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen." You know, God doesn't want us to stay; He always wants us to remain children. You know, I, for, with the kids in Sunday school, I always pray for them that they would always remain children. You know, grow physically, mature, grow intellectually, but to remain children with the Lord. Uh, always dependent on him, uh, looking to him as to their father. Uh, and God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay in one place. It's like this exciting, adventurous life he's given us that we can grow every day in our knowledge of him. And it will last for all eternity. You know, what we have to look forward to, this, this constant growth and constant growing in our knowledge of him. And to pray that, you know, these people, they were missing out. Paul wrote to them and had to correct them because he says, you guys are missing out. You know, Jesus came to give us abundant life, and you guys are missing out. And how tragic it is for us when we miss out on what Jesus has for us. Uh, pray we don't miss out on that. And he says, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. In verse 3 he says, for you are still carnal. And that's the one thing that will halt our spiritual growth is carnality. And it's like we'll stay in one place, and we won't grow until it's acknowledged and repented of. You know, our salvation does not depend on our behavior. We can't lose our salvation, but we can suffer loss. We can miss out. You know, we need to be praying constantly. Lord, we just pray that we would receive everything you have for us. He says, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Uh, there's the carnality in the church. There's supposed to be a noticeable difference between spiritual and unspiritual people. There should be a noticeable difference. Uh, the church, Jesus said, is to be a witness to the world. Uh, we are to be of one mind. Everybody in the church to be of one mind with one desire to do the will of God. That should be our main and only and overwhelming desire. Lord, I just want to do your will. And like we said last time, when you have a group of people, whether it's a church or a fellowship or a marriage, if you have a group of people who's of one mind, and their only desire is to do the will of God, then the reality of Christ is seen to the world. Uh, Jesus said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, people 
Lord willing, we pray that the Lord will fill us with his spirit, that when the world looks at us, they'll know that we're his disciples, but they see the love that's in the church and in our families and our love for the people around us and, and realize that that love is nowhere else, nowhere else in, that world, in the world, that that's a unique love. Verse 4 says, For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? And so they were forming these little groups within the church. I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos. You know, these little gangs in the church trying and just, you know, trying to make themselves feel special by joining a clique or a group. And he says, you're, you're still carnal. And we talked about last time that the cure for escaping the culture around us and escaping carnality is what it says in Ephesians. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We spoke about how those lusts of the flesh, as long as we're in this flesh, they're always going to be there ready to spring up, but walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill those lusts. And those who walk in the Spirit are those who have been with Jesus, and, and you find yourself walking in the Spirit. Um, carnality also takes away our witness. Uh, the, in Corinth, you know, the people in Corinth could look at the church there and say, those people in the first church of Corinth there, they're no different than us. They're just a little crazier, but we don't see a difference between us. Verse 5 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? Paul's saying we're just the messengers. We are simply messengers working in God's field who brought you the message and you believe through what we said. I heard someone say, it's sad when people recognize and rejoice when they hear the voice of their favorite Bible teacher, but they don't know or recognize the voice of the Lord. Verse 6, and this is the verse I, Lord willing, really wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, verses 6 and 7, 8 and 9, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. So Paul's saying we were just witnesses. We just came, you are God's field, and we just came to plant seed in God's field and to water that seed and to pray that God would give an increase. And that's what we're called to do called to be witnesses, to share the gospel with the people around us. And witnessing is always a subject, you know, to talk about. Uh, there's a ton of books, how to witness. People, they have conferences and churches on how to witness, you know, how to share the gospel with people, with different people. And we desire to witness. You know, we all desire to be a witness to this world because the Spirit of God is in us. And God has given us a heart for the people around us. And many times our heart just breaks when we see the people around us. And there's so many of them. And we just have this heart to witness, but we struggle with it. And basically I think there are three words that we need to consider tonight when it comes to witnessing and sharing the gospel with people. Believe, ask, and believe. Uh, 
the only way anything having to do with Christianity is accomplished, no matter what it is, whether it's salvation, sanctification, being faithful, being fruitful, uh, becoming the person that God wants us to be, to becoming a faithful witness. The only way anything, any of that is ever accomplished is that God gives to us, and we receive it by faith. David wrote, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not only will we have desire to do God's will, but he will give us those desires. We'll see it accomplished. We'll see it happen. Delight yourself in the Lord. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, it says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field, into his harvest. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to be witnesses, the Great Commission. God wants people to hear the gospel and be saved. And in his sovereignty, he has chosen the way to do that through us, simply telling people what God has done. We're called to be witnesses. And just like Paul, we're called to plant seed, to water that seed, and to pray for an increase that only can come from God. Paul would say that you are God's field. And God has given us, each one of us, fields to work in every day. You go to work in the morning, that's your field that you're going into, to plant and to water. Uh, you come home at night, that's your field. To, to work in, to plant and to water. In your neighborhood, planting and watering in that field. At church, that's another field that we work in and plant and water. Every morning, we leave the house and go to a field. Uh, and then we leave that field and we go to another field. We leave work and we go home from one field to another. And it begins with prayer, always. Always prayer. I don't have the words to say how important and necessary prayer is. Without prayer, nothing happens. And to go into those fields, we have to be prayed up, go into the fields, and the first step is to be faithful in the small things, which aren't really small things, but to be faithful in just the, the everyday things. At work, you go into work, into that field, be the best worker that we can be. You know, be there. Give them eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. Uh, do the best job that you can. Be the best worker on the job site. Um, come home to that field. Or in Colossians, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. No matter what we're doing, no matter what our occupation is, we're serving Christ. So we do the best job that we can. And I have to pray for that every morning. Lord, help me to be, do a good job today. Because that's part of planting seed. When we come home to that field, just making sure that your family knows that they are loved. Planting that seed. Uh, being a good neighbor in that field, in our neighborhood. Just being a good neighbor. Uh, doing those things uh, that will open doors to plant seed in that field. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. 
And we have to realize that, that it's only by the Spirit of God that we're able to do these things or desire these things. Uh, in our flesh, we can only be like Peter. In and of ourselves, in our own strength, we can only be like Peter. In Matthew, it says, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And Peter wasn't lying. He, he was being truthful. He, he was zealous. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to stand up for Jesus. And then a few hours later, it says, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And in our flesh, that's all we can do. So the verses we go through tonight, uh, if we could consider them in, in the context of, wish, of witnessing, of sharing the gospel with those in the fields that God has given us to work in. And I certainly don't speak as one who has arrived because I struggle with it. I struggle with, wit with witnessing. And uh, I pray uh, that these things that we're going to talk about would be true in my life because I want to eliminate striving from my life. Uh, I want to replace it with rest and peace. Uh, I'm tired of striving. I'm tire tired of trying to make things happening. I'm tired of feeling condemned when, I'm, when I fail. Uh, I want rest and peace in my life, that God will truly be glorified and things really will happen. Doors will be open. That God will be glorified. In Hebrews it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. How do we serve God acceptably? Acceptably, only by grace. Let us have grace that we can serve God acceptably. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 5, please. But before we start there, go up to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And as we go through these verses again, think of them in the context of working in the fields that God has given us and planting and watering seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the same day, stop right there for a minute, on the same day, everything we're going to read tonight, I, I believe, happened in one day, in the same day. Uh, these people who followed Jesus, every, can you imagine what every single day was like for them? Every single day was a glorious adventure. Every single day. One thing after another happening. Abundant life. Every day was an adventure. They, they could have had a normal life, so-called normal life. They could have been fishermen, which is a good job, go out fishing, come home, go to sleep, go back out fishing, and just do this over and over and over again. And we can do the same thing. You know, we can just some, a lot of people, it's sad, but they just exist. They, they get up, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, go to work, come home. And it's just like existing. Uh, and no matter what the occupation is, that life never fulfills. So, Jesus called these guys, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and the, the adventure began. They left everything they had, and they followed Jesus, and the adventure of a lifetime began. 
Um, and as we go through this, look at what these guys experienced in just one day. Uh, and may it be the same for us. It should be. It should be. We shouldn't be just existing. But every day when we get up, we should be looking forward to what's going to happen today. You know, that old bumper sticker, expect a miracle. We should definitely be expecting miracles. Uh, every day should be an, a glorious adventure for us. We're serving the creator of the universe. That's way beyond just existing and just going to work. Every day is an adventure. It says, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When Jesus says, let's go over to the other side, you are going to end up on the other side. And no power in heaven or on earth can stop you. Uh, in being a faithful witness, we need to believe what God says. First, we have to know what God says and then believe it. You know, I have to ask, you know, why am I not more effective in the fields that God has given me? You know, why are there times when I, when I just feel, you know, I can go for quite a while and I just feel like there's nothing happening? You know, maybe it's just unbelief. Unbelief. A needful prayer and a great prayer is when uh, that man brought his son to Jesus to be healed and Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. And the man said, uh, immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's my prayer. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. The key to being a fruitful worker is the key to all things in Christianity, faith. Believing what God says. Uh, verse 36, and now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, when trouble comes, we're like, Lord, why is this happening? Lord, where are you? Don't you care? We go out into our fields that God has given us, and we think, Lord, look at all these people. There are more people. You know, I'm the only Christian at work. All these people, none of them know you. There's just so many of them. There are more people lost than saved. In Matthew it says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Second Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's heart is greater than ours. Verse 39, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The wind was disturbing the water. He rebuked what was disturbing, and he granted peace to what was disturbed. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? You know, they were freaking out. The boat was filling up with water, and they woke him up, and he says to them, why are you always so scared? Why are you so fearful of things? You know, why am I fearful? Because I'm chicken. That's why. You know, what if I fail? What if I go out into the field today and the Lord tells me to do something and I don't do it? What if I fail? What if I chicken out? What if, what if, what if, what if? Uh, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. 
Perfect love casts out fear. Do we know that God has, does, and will love us perfectly and unconditionally forever? Uh, how do we faithfully accomplish the will of God by being overwhelmed by that perfect love? When we're overwhelmed by that perfect love, we will find our lives every single day to be an adventure, to walk out, and things will happen. And abundant life, that's what Jesus came to give us. He says, how is it that you have no faith? You know, how come you guys don't believe that God is going to take care of you? Why don't you have any faith? Uh, you acknowledge that what I say is truth. You acknowledge who I am. And, you know, and what, then why aren't you exuding that peace and joy that is a witness to the world? You know, why aren't you that light on a hill that cannot be hidden? Do you believe that I am working in you to will and to do my will? Do you believe it? That scripture, he is working in us to will and to do his will. Uh, that should bring us to rest in peace. You know, or are we still striving, trying to do things, wanting to do good, but hampered by fear and doubt? We have to ask ourselves, you know, who is our reality? Is it us who don't even really know our own heart? Or is it Christ? Who's out front? Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we pray the same thing. I pray it every single morning. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we pray that because the Spirit of God is in us. And we know that that's eternal life, doing the will of God. And we know that that's abundant life. And we know that there's absolutely nothing better Nothing more exciting than doing the will of God. So we pray, Lord, your will be done. And I pray it, but sometimes I don't pray it so confidently. Um, because I know, and in the back of my mind, it's, I know that I can't do his will. And, and to be honest, um, I can't even desire, in and of myself, I can't even desire to really do his will in truth. Um, so how can we pray, thy will be done, with confident expectation? You know, how can we pray that in truth, believing it and meaning it and seeing it happen through the day? And it's only because he desires that his will is done in our lives. That's the only reason. He desires that his will is done in our lives. So we can pray that prayer with confidence. Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The wind and the sea obey him. You know, why don't I obey him? I'm born again. I'm in Christ. The spirit of God is within me. Why isn't my life more fruitful? Why isn't there more happening in the fields that God has me in, at work, at home, at church? You know, maybe because of unbelief. Um, in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. 
because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. How would you like to live next door to this guy? I mean, can you imagine being in your bed at night and hearing this maniac howling going through the, the territory? Uh, there was no hope for this man. The people there had absolutely no hope for this man. And the reason that they had no hope for this man was because there was no hope for this man, except for the man who was probably, at this time, helping to pull the boat ashore. There is only one hope, and that hope is a person. It's Christ. Everything else that people put their hope in, no matter how good it is, gifts from God, Everything else that people put their hope in are temporary and will be lost. All the temporary physical healings that Jesus did, it's like they were a type of what he would do spiritually. It, it was like what, showing by what he did what was going to happen. He, he opened the eyes of the blind, as he does today. He opens people's eyes to see the truth. He made the deaf hear, as he does today. He opens people's ears, give them, gives them ears to hear that they can hear the truth. He healed the lame, as he does today. He heals us who are lame, that we can walk in newness of life. And he raises those who are dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. You can picture this guy, I always picture this, Jesus and his friends getting out of the boat, and this maniac come running down the hill, screaming at the top of his lungs. I picture the disciples jumping back in the boat, and Jesus just standing there, and this maniac, demon-possessed thing comes running down, falls down, and bows in front of Jesus. You know, in Sunday school, I asked the kids, why? Why did this guy, who is full of evil, bow before Jesus? And they always have the right answer, because he's Jesus. You know, he had to. He had to. Uh, the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he's proven that he's for us. We just have to look at the cross. And not only is he for us, but he's with us to do his will. Uh, God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, do we believe what God says enough to say every morning before we leave the house, God is with me? And can we rest in that? Or do we doubt it and struggle? We should leave every morning looking forward with confident expectation of what God will do in us and through us. Uh, verse 7, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So these 
evil things begged them that, they, that Jesus would not send them out of the country. And he did what they asked because it was his will to do so. And if he gave these things who are doomed, if he gave these things what they desired, what will he do for his children? What will he do for us? What will he grant us that we desire? You know, do we want to plant and to water and see a harvest in the fields that we work in? We do. You know, and he will grant it. He will grant it. Do we believe that we have the things we ask according to his will, or do we pray and then doubt that it will happen? Uh, verse 14, Then those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. When they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And he granted that request also. Can you imagine? These people come out and they see this maniac possessed by a legion of demons in his right mind, clothed, and they say to Jesus, please leave. You know, we, we can live with the darkness. We're used to that. We're comfortable with that. But, you know, turn off that light. We're not comfortable with that. Second Corinthians says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And in verse 18, it says, When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. This guy just wanted to stay with Jesus. Lord, I just want to stay and be with you. Uh, our greatest desire should be that, just to be with Jesus above all other things. And looking forward to that day, uh, what a future we have, what we have to look forward to. When we're out of this flesh and we're standing before the throne of God and we can be with Jesus perfectly, forever, being with him and being him with him right now, you know, in those quiet times getting those quiet times together where we can just be with him and hear his voice, read his word and think about it and meditate on it and pray and talk to him, just being with him. Nothing more important. Uh, if we're not, if we're not doing that, we will have little desire to work in the field and we won't be able to if we're not spending time with him. John fifteen seven says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Man, what a great verse that is. Get that one tattooed on your arm so that you can look at it and read it and think about it. If you live in Christ, if you stay with Jesus, if you are with Jesus and his words live in you, and there's only one way that his words can live in us, and that's if we're in his word, then ask for what you want and it will be done for you. If we are abiding and his words abiding in us, we won't be desiring goofy stuff. You know, we're not talking about health and wealth and praying for things to satisfy our own flesh. We're talking about praying for the things that God desires for our lives, things of the Spirit. Um, what a promise. What a promise that is. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. You know, do we believe that? Every morning when we walk out into the fields. Verse 19, it says, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. There's the, the great commission. Go and tell what the Lord has done for you and how is he, he has had compassion on you. That's what we tell people. God has got fields for us to work in. In this, age, in this information age, we can get discouraged because we hear about everything that goes on in the world. Every tragedy, every abomination that happens, we hear about it, and we can get discouraged and we can feel helpless. But we're responsible for the fields that God has us in, where you work, in your home, in your neighborhood. That's where we have an influence. <clears throat> Um, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. <clears throat> I firmly believe that ultimately technology will be proven not to be our friend. But I am really thankful for medical uh, technology. I would not want to go to a first century doctor to get anything fixed. Uh, can you imagine going to a dentist at the turn of the century. No, thank you. Uh, this woman has a need, as we all do, as we all do, as we do, as everyone in our fields that God has given us has a need. We are all in the same boat. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And it must have been a struggle for her in her weakened state. There's a, the crowd is thronging him, and she has to make her way through the crowd to get to him, and she's weak, she's sick. So somehow, she walks, crawls, however, gets to Jesus, and grabs hold of his garment. It took an effort on her part. There's a guy that Paul talks about in the Bible, Ephorus, and he says he's always wrestling in prayer for you. There's, he's making that effort, wrestling in prayer for you. You know, if no effort is exerted, nothing will happen. God does the work, God does the empowering, God does everything, but there is effort on our part. You know, Lord, help me to get up early tomorrow morning to seek you early in the morning, and the alarm goes off. The next thing is to get ourselves out of bed. There's, there's got to be an effort. Verse 28, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She believed what she heard about Jesus. Uh, we can get involved in all sorts of conversations with people. We can talk about doctrine. We can talk about how could Noah get all the animals on the ark. We can talk about abortion. We can talk about gay rights. We can talk about politics. Many subjects worthy of discussion. 
But the only important thing is that someone believes what they hear about Jesus. That's the only important thing. Anything else is putting the cart before the horse. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. She believed enough that her belief resulted in action and reaction. And again, we're not talking about the satanic doctrine of health and wealth. That kind of doctrine, that kind of faith that they talk about, it makes God our servant. And it, may, it puts God in a place where he exists to please us. It puts us in a place where we become God which goes back to the lie that Satan told in the garden originally. We're, we're talking about faith that God's word is true, a, a faith that makes us his bondservants. Verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So Jairus is all happy. I mean, my had all this trouble. My daughter's sick. Jesus said he would come and heal her. Everything's good. They get to his house. Don't bother. Your daughter's died. Uh, Jairus is now overwhelmed by a cloud of hopelessness. I mean, what could be worse? Losing a child. Uh, and he had such high hopes, and they're dashed. The life has been drained out of him. When it comes to working in the fields that God has given us, we try Sometimes we fail, sometimes we misrepresent, sometimes we deny him. You know, I tried, I, I'm trying to be a witness, I try to make things happen, and it's just beyond me, I quit. Abraham was a man who, it was said of him, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. And everything that is to be believed about God is contrary to what we see hear, feel, or are able to accomplish. It's always contrary to hope. In hope, we believe. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. The word only is essential to Christian doctrine. Only. Only one God. Only one faith. Only one way. Only one hope. Only by the blood of Christ, only by the Spirit of God, him only you will serve. Only means to the exclusion of everything else. And Jesus said to this man, only believe. Only believe. And this is hopefully the crux of what we've been reading concerning an increase in the fields that God has us working in, planning and watering. Uh, do not be afraid, only believe. Believe what? Believe that God will do what he said he would do. That he will do what you have asked. 
because you desire that his will be done. We, we desire that God's will be done, and it will be done. It will be done. Turn to 1 John 5.14, please. And this is the verse I hope we take home with us. And when we go out into the fields tomorrow, that we, this verse is in our hearts. 1 John 5.14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's one that should be in our hearts. He hears us. When we pray, he hears us. We're praying according to his will. We want to be a witness. We want to be those lights on a hill. We want to see people get saved. His will be done. That's what we desire. And we're praying according to his will. He hears us. And whatever we ask, we know that we have it. Do we believe that when we go out into the fields? This is how we become faithful workers in the fields that God has given us. We know his will, and he will be faithful to give us what we don't have. It's God who gives it to us, and we pray for it. We can go to our fields with confidence and joyful expectation instead of doubt and fear and all the what-ifs and all the I want to, but I can't. We can go into the fields tomorrow with joyful expectation because he's going to answer our prayer. He's He's going to give it to us. He will give us everything that we need to plant and water, and he will give the increase. It is God's will that you serve him with joy and gladness. It's God's will that you serve him, that you work in those fields, planting and watering. But it's his will that you serve him with joy and gladness, the Bible says. It is God's will that you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. God desires that more than we ever will desire it. It's his will. And he'll give us everything we need to accomplish it. So we, don't leave the, we leave the house not in the what-ifs, but in rest and peace, trusting in the faithfulness of God. And it's not a 12-step program. It's not a system. It's not, if I do this and this, then this and this will happen. It's the grace of God. It's the pure grace of God. And there's another thing we have to remember also. Uh, it's not our, on our timetable that he gives to us. Uh, he gives these things that we pray for according to his will. He has promised that he will give them to us. We can leave for the fields tomorrow knowing that we have them, but he gives them in gentleness and long-suffering according to his will and his timetable. And we know what happened to Jairus. Jesus raised the dead. So when you get home or sometime this week, read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And it sort of sums up everything we've been talking about. So, I have a pizza and a second half of a football game waiting for me. Let us pray. 
Father, we come before you, and we just thank you, Lord. Help us to believe, to have that faith, Lord, not to walk in doubt and fear and wondering if we're going to make it or if we're going to do it or if it will happen, but knowing that it will because you put that desire in our heart and you will bring it to pass. We pray for it, and you have promised that you will grant our petitions, Lord. So we praise you and we thank you. Pray, Lord, to serve you with joy and gladness, Lord. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen.